Okay. Today we relaunched the podcast. We got a great show, but the show's really not that important. It's, it's the fact that we're here and we're doing it again and we're excited about it. We've got some great topics uh, to talk to you about. You know, Joe Biden's, uh, Joe Biden's plan to eliminate the 1031 tax exchange. We want to talk about that. That's relevant real estate news. We want to motivate you. We want to inspire you. We want to show you that anybody can do this. And that's the reason why we're doing it. We're in here because we want to have perspective in the world. We want to show you that if you got goals, that you can achieve them. And we're going to, we're going to let you watch us achieve ours. So we hope you enjoy the ride. And thank you for watching. To the current subscribers here on YouTube, 132 of you, we love you. We appreciate you. We hope to develop content that you will share and engage with us. And uh, we're happy to be back. And we hope you enjoy it. So here we go. Thanks. Cool. Are we on? <laughs> All right. Live on YouTube. Wow, that's uh, this is a first for us. Um, we're going to just kick it off here, putting you in your place. Um, first of all, I want to update. We have 134 subscribers. And for the two new people, welcome. Uh, we appreciate you uh, hopping on with us. To my team here in this studio that we've developed, uh, this is taking a, a, a a lot of hard work, a lot of debate, a lot of strategy. Um, so thank you guys. I appreciate that. I, I couldn't be here without you. Uh, so I really appreciate that. Um, introducing the team here that's helping me do this, Weston Carmack and Sky King. Um, we got uh, a lot of interesting things that are interesting to us anyway that we're going to talk to you about or, or talk uh, about. And, and we're just going to get going. So... Um, we're just going to get, I mean, you're going to lead, you're going to lead yeah. off here and, yeah. and, uh, we'll talk about the topics we've got outlined. Dude. All right. So just tell me what's happening in the business, what we got going on. Okay. So the real estate business right now, um, if you're a seller, you're loving it. If you're a buyer, you're struggling. And, um, it's very important now, no matter what you're doing, that you're using somebody that knows what they're doing. So you really, who you work with absolutely matters in this particular environment because of just the temperature of the market. The, the sellers have to navigate through multiple buyers. They have to navigate through tons and tons of showings. I've got a listing right now that has 30 showings. I mean, that's a little bit, that's a little bit on top of what we like to see without an actual contract. But the, the seller has had to deal with scheduling and, and removing dogs and like, like altering their life through 30 showings. I mean, that's a ton. Yeah. So like having, having an agent with the tools and the systems and the processes in place, um, that's, that's important for a buyer. Having the strategies around negotiating the deal is super important. So, so really, that's, what's, that's really what's going on. It's the buyer pools are huge. The listing inventory is small. The interest rates are are very low, like all time low, and it's just now. Now's a great time to be trying to make a move. Um, financially, it just makes sense. So that's kind of the real estate update. 
Um, tell us, tell them what's happening with us. Like we're looking at that place downtown near Midtown. Yeah. Tell them about that. That's yes. cool. So, so we, we've identified a space for our business that we think that we can really thrive in. Uh, there's a community in downtown Blacksburg called Midtown. I've been in love with it from day one. Um, you know, it's at the old Blacksburg Middle School location, and it's just something that I feel is going to be very special. And as far as a community that can be developed there, I feel like it's just something I want to be a part of. So we've got an opportunity to, to that there's a space available over there. And we're, you know, given COVID, we're in the middle of COVID, it's, it's emotional to me to try to make that type of move in this environment. But I know that if I can do it, that now's the time to do it. Like this is the absolute best opportunity for me to get that space, you know, before everything's developed over there. So, um, you know, we're striving and, you know, we got big goals and that that's been one of our goals for since the idea has come up, we know that we need to be over there. So that's kind of where we are in our business. Um, you know, just for the people that don't know who I am, for the people that really just had no idea, this is maybe the first time you've jumped onto our channel. I'm a real estate agent in Blacksburg, Virginia. I, on average, do maybe 80 deals a year. We're actually trending toward more, you know, closer to 100 deals. So I think I bring perspective on, you know, how to sell, how to get people to say yes to you, how to achieve big goals. Um, you know, when I, when I, I was in a meeting one time five years ago and I said, you know, I'd like to do, I'd like to do a hundred transactions a year. And people actually out loud laughed at me, um, just because they know how hard it is. They didn't think, they don't think that's achievable, you know, and here we are about to achieve it. So I'm an example of persistence and going after my goal and being dedicated toward like, you know, a plan that we put together. So you know, that's where my expertise comes in. And that's, you know, that's something I hope to share with everybody and be, be of value to you, knowing that, you know, with some motivation and some training and some planning and some execution, that you can also do these things, even if you're in a small town like I am, even if, even if you're in, a, in an area that's not, you know, um, heavily populated, right? So, you know, uh, I believe, you know, if, if we're going to transition into like the entrepreneurial mindset, you know, um, the entrepreneur that is a winner is going to win. You know, like winners win and losers lose. You know, I think Michael Phelps had a good quote. He said, winners focus on winning and losers focus on winners. And I think that's, I think that's really the truth. That's, that's a good mindset to have is, you know, Winning is all that you care about, not not what's going on in the environment around you. You just go after your goals and you know what your goals are and they're attainable. You believe, you actually believe in your goal. Yeah. So. I think part of that entrepreneur mindset is just like also the people that are around you, you know, because yeah. they, those the people that are around you set your mindset. Yeah. Right. And then also just like the kind of content that you consume. I know for me, I consume like way different content than a lot of my family members. Yeah. So I have this totally different mindset when it comes to the way of thinking. Right. So I just think like we're doing that kind of stuff on a regular basis. I think you can get more into a entrepreneur mindset. 
even if it's at a small even if it's at a small scale definitely you know you don't have to like go and i mean like an entrepreneur starts businesses but you don't have to like change your mindset then go and start a business you know these are just good habits to create yeah i mean that's definitely true i mean you definitely have to have somebody in your life that puts perspective on what you're trying to do and also encourages you to go after it yeah you know um yeah so i mean i agree with that 100 percent yeah, I know like my my like close friend group definitely helps me with that because all of my friends are other content creators and we're all pushing each other to do better. And yeah. like that's how I got to where I am right now, yeah. sitting in front of you. Yeah. So and then other friends getting gigs and doing all this other kind of stuff, working for businesses. Right. So I yeah. love this one. This this next item we have on our thing, mm-hmm. that, that was a quote I came up with. It was it was based on someone like not believing something was possible it's you will never find something you don't believe exists so if if you have these goals like you have to you have to believe in the goal for you to be able to achieve it you know if you if you always find yourself saying well that would be nice or i wish i could do that or man you know uh just you know having something that you don't think is attainable really gets in your way like you You've got to understand that if anybody like you has ever achieved what your goal is, then it's likely that given the proper, um, you know, the proper actions, given the proper actions that you can achieve those goals as well. Yeah. I think that also has something to do with the mindset because I actually talked to like, I was actually talking to my dad about this the other day. We're talking about things that you believe or to put it in your words, don't believe exists. Like someone's already done it. You can go and do it. I always think of it from the perspective of those people are going to disappear one day. Who's going to take their place? Yeah. And it's like you might as well set yourself up now so that way when that opportunity opens up, you're already there. You're prepared. Yeah. It's not like a it just happened by luck. You did everything to get there. Because yeah. uh, when Melania Trump was speaking at the RNC, she was talking about, you know, she lived in like the Soviet Union and came over here and was like wanted to do something in the fashion industry. That's what she did, right? But... Like, to her, she's, she's seen the worst, right? So when she came here, the worst here was not the worst there. Yeah. So to her, it wasn't even, like, a question as to if she could do it or not. It's like she knew she was going to do it, yeah. right? And it's just, like, that, that mindset to do it, right? Yeah. So because I think it also has to do with the way that some of us are, like, living right now. You know, just because we, if you're, like, born in America, you know, the worst here isn't the worst somewhere else. Yeah. So we've become kind of complacent with that so then people like have these dreams when they're a kid but then they don't go and chase them i mean i'll admit i mean most americans just are soft i mean you know like we've we've made it we're we're at the top of the chain you know we're we're literally at the top of the chain when it comes to the rest of the world you know so a lot of people don't have that hunger to be successful they're good with just good Mm-hmm. You know, when they get the good, they're good. They don't. They don't even try for great. Yeah. You know, so like that's that's something I see and observe daily. So, for sure. Yeah. Totally. Cool. All right. So moving it on, like, you know, what we're hoping, you know, obviously the show's name's putting you in your place, right? Like, it's a play on words. I think, I think that's that's entertaining to me. It's funny to me. That's why we chose that. Is like. You know, I'm a real estate agent and I'm helping people buy houses while I'm kind of putting their I'm kind of putting them in their place. 
But this actually opens up a lot of things for us to talk about and like have perspective on. And that's one of the goals of this is, is honestly, this is almost more of a legacy project than, yeah. than, than anything. You know, if I can, if I can impact the world through this situation, um, that'll make me happy and proud. You know, my lineage, when I have kids and they have kids and, and they can come back to this and, and see me and hear me talk in my prime, you know, and like what I was thinking and what I was doing, um, they have the opportunity to see that. So that, that means a lot to me. And if we can develop a community and grow this and impact people, you know, that are out there right now, um, that's a bonus. And, and this gives me just the opportunity to, to really put my perspective on things, you know, on any topic, because I can put anybody in their place. I can put any topic that people are, are on at the moment in their place, in my opinion. So this is a complete opinion-based show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just our perspective. But yeah, but we do. We have some expertise in a few things, but but mainly we're going to talk about topics that just impact us in our daily life, our weekly life, and um, and that's pretty much what putting you in your place is going to be about. Yeah, just helping people find their place. You know, maybe we say something and it opens the door for some. Like people will be like, "Oh, I didn't even think about it that way," and it yeah. opens the door, and they're like. And that, that could change, just one word could change someone's life forever. Definitely. So definitely. that's kind of what I hope we achieve here. Yeah, definitely. No so. doubt. All right, okay. dude. What else? You want to dive into the Biden's plan? Yeah. Let's All talk right. about that. Let's talk about it. All right. Let, can, let's pull up that link sure. so we have that link up and we can we can review that policy. Let's just, let's just get you to read off exactly what Bloomberg said. Okay. So... Here's the part where they're talking about the plan, okay. right? So I'm just going to highlight that right there. Sure. The plan would target a provision for avoiding capital gains tax on property sales to raise cash for childcare and elderly services, known as the like-kind exchange. The tactic allows investors to roll the proceeds of real estate sales into future purchases, shielding investors from taxes on their profits. Okay. So that's that's kind of what it does. He's okay, taking, so so yeah. like kind exchange is in the industry term, like not the layman's term. That's the that's the layperson's understanding of it. What we know it in the industry as is the ten thirty one tax exchange, and what that does is it allows us to sell the asset, hold that money in an account to find another asset to roll that capital into. That's that's not going to be taxed at all. Um, and what this policy actually does, like, you know, some people might think if you're against this, then you're against um, extra child care and elder care. Well, honestly, you're it's not that it's not the case. So so what happens if you're going to tax people on asset uh, like when they're going to sell their assets? And they're going to be taxed at that rate, and they can't get to the next asset with the capital that they anticipated. They will not sell as quickly and for as much money. Okay, so so this affects not only the top end of the buyers, but the entry point too. So if you're buying a duplex and you hold on to it for five years, you improve it, you collect the rents, you do everything that's involved in keeping a good property. 
When you go to identify the next property and you want to unload the current property, you're 20, about 20% of your profit is going straight to Uncle Sam. Now, when you have to let that amount of money go, you really evaluate if you want to make that move and then what you're going to pay for the next property moving up. So this has a big trickle up effect. And really, when you compress growth, when you actually compress the growth of the economy in this way, your projections on what's going to be coming in is always going to be less than projected. In my opinion, there's no way you can accurately project people selling off their investment properties, giving the government a percentage of that, and be accurate on the projections of the income that you need from it. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense to me. But so the way that I took so the way that I took this, right? So he's making money on basically the back end of these real estate deals, whereas fifty one billion that they're avoiding well, I say avoiding in taxes, it's more of just like the way that you play the tax system. Yeah. You know, so they found a loophole, right? It's fifty one. No, they they created the loophole. Yeah, they yeah, they created it, right? Yeah. So this is fifty one billion. But like if it wouldn't be fifty one billion if this was in place. Right, because they would like reevaluate what they're doing. So that fifty one billion might turn into something ten like billion. Ten billion. Yeah. Right. So, so then, then you've got a big shortfall. Then you can't accomplish the things that you wanted to anyways. Right. Right. And then they're just gonna try to find a different like either loophole or they'll try to create something to where they can get around this. Yeah. Right. So to me, like in theory it's great, but I feel like it would just fall off over time, right? Yeah. They would, I, always, they would always be short. Yeah. They would always be short on projections. Well, for the last five years, they brought in they brought in fifty one billion. Okay, well, let's adjust that. Well, then they're going to show up in another five years. Why didn't we get fifty one billion? Yeah. You know why? What happened to that fifty one billion? You know, it turned well, Joe. It turned into ten. You know, and you only you only you only got a small percentage of what you thought. Mm. So, so then you really put them in a bind. Then then there's the other fact where it's like okay, what if for some reason the real estate market was to crash? This would come to a halt, and you might not even get this, $10 billion. This would be one of the reasons why it would crash. Probably. I mean, I th could see that this, happening. This is a component of people that have done the right thing over time, saved a bunch of money, can get into an investment property. And, and here's the thing, is you are getting taxes based on the earned, I mean, the, the rent you collect. The gross rents that you collect minus your expenses, the government taxes you on that number. So if you're making if you're making uh, $500 profit on your rental, you're going to have to pay taxes on the $500 depending on what your income is. You know that's going to be associated with your overall gross income minus your expenses to the to the government, and then you pay taxes on that. So. This is a this is a big detriment to the economy overall, in my opinion. I don't agree with this policy. You know, um, I don't want to dive too far into politics on this show, but when it comes to policies that affect growth and real estate sales and the overall general economy, then we're going to talk about it. You know, and this is one that I adamantly disagree with. This is this is not a policy that that anybody should be in favor of. You know, what needs to happen is more job opportunities, you know, less taxes on small business. Those things help generate more tax revenue in the long run. 
in my opinion. So, um, yeah. I think I think there's a stat out there that said when the when the tax cut came in 2017, the Treasury actually saw an uptick in in money sent in. You know, like that's that's floating around out there that nobody's reporting on is the the surge of money coming into the treasury went up when the tax rate went down. So that's the interesting thing. Yeah. So this is a like point that I just highlighted right here, right? So this is this is why this even like was brought up because 2021 to me seems like it's going to be a rough year. Yeah. Cuz there's been a lot of money pushed into our economy so that, you know, there's a lot of cash floating around right now and then there's going to be a bunch of holes that we need to fill for COVID-19, which is why this was brought up. So I would be very interested to revisit this topic after the election for sure. to figure out what the the next administration, Biden or Trump's administration, doesn't matter. I'd be interested to see what they say. Here's this is Biden's solution, but I don't think it's going to Here's work. a stat so that I thought was really interesting is um, a lot of people's mortgage liability right now is less than 50% of the value of the home. A lot of people are in financially stable positions with their housing. Mm -hmm. So if, if a tragedy does come up, they might have access to that equity to survive. You know, they're, they're, there's a stimulus package for most people that are homeowners right now because they're in very solid positions because of the, the amount of equity that has been paid down and the, and the increase in value, you know, just because of, of the housing market being in such high demand right now. Right. So... Very interesting. I disagree with this policy. I'm, I'm definitely against this policy. This does nothing but contract value, and this does nothing but slows the opportunities for people to go from one investment product to the next investment product uh, if they so choose, you know? And, you know, like I said, the tax revenue that's coming in from the rents, I'm, I'm all for that. I, I, I subscribe to that. I do that. The rents that I collect on my own personal investments, I'm happy to send my portion of that to the to the you know to Uncle Sam. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's our take on that. We disagree with that policy. Oh yeah, we're gonna put the links to these articles in the description, yeah. so that way people can see what we're yeah, talking about. Exactly. This was just one that was found on Bloomberg. I'm sure if you just look this up, where well, let me scroll back up so that way people can see the title. You know, and honestly, so, you know, this is a unbiased to Joe Biden article. This is just the facts. You know, this is a, a left-leaning source, you yeah. know, to say what's going on. Yeah, I mean, there. I think that at the bottom, it kind of gets into more. You could, you can kind of hear the, um, the person who wrote this article. You can kind of hear like their opinions on it. Mm. But every time I look at this, I just, I always just pull what they're talking about out instead of like listening to what they're saying I, I do read what the journalist is saying so that way i can get someone else's perspective on sure. it but i always pull out the facts and then just focus on that and then make my own decision based on that it's usually what i do whenever i'm reading these articles sure but yeah everything we're going to talk about today that has an article we'll link into the description cool um but yeah i don't really know if oh actually if anyone can find like an article that disputes what we just said I'd be like super happy to like read it yeah. and then evaluate that as well. Because like this is just from one person's opinion. There could it could be completely different and there's something else that like backs this up right. to where this does work. Yeah. But just based on reading this, it doesn't seem like it works. No. To me. Yeah. 
But this feels like a detriment to the economy. Even though the intent of the thing is nice, it's just not a practical way to go about it. You know, if you if you want better childcare, then then more people have to have opportunities to pay for the childcare that they need. You know, there needs to be there needs to be support for that. Okay. So yeah, that's uh, that's what we've been talking about. Cool. All right, so I guess we'll just move on to the next topic. Sure. Uh, most popular home updates during the pandemic. I'll go ahead and open up this article. Yeah. Uh, I usually get most of our articles from the National Association yeah. of Realtors. They just seem like a pretty reputable source that we can pull articles from. Sure. Um, so this article talks about 58% uh, annual increase in project leads for home professionals in the month of June. Right. So things that people are improving, they're improving their patios, they're improving their pools, they're installing fences. Installation and repairs jumped 166% for fences. That seems like a lot. So yeah. I guess people are scared. So they're just putting in fences in their houses now. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, kitchens, they're redoing their kitchens. Kitchens to me, that seems like a really good place to spend a lot of money because like, I, I like cooking. So yeah. you know, that's like, I enjoy what I eat. So I think putting money into the kitchen is like important to me. Right. Um, bathrooms. I guess if you have a disgusting bathroom or if you want to do a half bath or something, right. I guess that's where that's coming from. And home gyms. Home gyms is a big one for the pandemic. Definitely. I understand that for so, sure. Yeah. You want to so talk about on, it? On the, yeah. gym, on the gym thing, honestly, I'm still going to the gym. And I, I, I am like, I'm not, I'm not with the mask thing. You know, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily uh, agree with that situation. Like, you know, I'm a healthy guy anyway, so like, um, the whole mask situation for me is just a personal belief. Like, I don't. It's not a big deal if you believe in the mask and you want to wear the mask. That's on you. Like, that's something that's okay. Anyway, um, let's see. The, the gym thing is is definitely uh, something that I would enjoy myself. You know, it would be. Um, Pretty economical as well, I think. You know, setting up, setting that up oh. in, a, in a in a space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So actually, uh, one of my friends here in Blacksburg, his dad or his dad went to the gym a lot. I think he was going to. I want to say he was going to Planet Fitness. And when the pandemic hit, he like wasn't leaving because he's like a professor at Tech. Yeah. So if he gets sick, you know, that was back when Tech was still in session and they hadn't closed yet. So what he did was he like built his home own home gym, right? So he's got like a bench press and dumbbells and everything. He's got, like, the whole the whole nine. Yeah. And uh, he's he actually enjoys that better because he's saving money on gas. He doesn't have to spend the time to go go to the gym. Basically, in his eyes, he was saving time uh, when it comes to working out. Because yeah. he has to pull his car out of the garage and then set it all up. And he in his mind, he was like, well, I was already going to spend time to drive to the gym anyway, so that time pulling the car out, you know, is, like, spent building the gym instead of driving. Yeah. But he's saving money because he's not having to drive or pay for and gym. And you don't have to show. risk being around people. You know? That too, yeah. I mean, that's the big thing is is um, you've, got, you've got everything you need to stay healthy, you know, stay fit, and, and you're not going to put yourself in a spot that you don't want to do something that you don't believe in or... or um, you know, have to be around people at all. So, the uh, the pools. You put a note on like the pros and cons. So to me, a pool has always been a pro. I've always wanted a pool at my house. I've never. I've lived in three different houses. Never had a pool. Yeah. 
So what's like the what's the pros and cons to owning a pool? Well, obviously the pros of it is just you got a pool. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right. That, I mean. Yeah. You know the cons of it are the maintenance and when you have a luxury item like a pool, mm -hmm. then you've got to pay for that luxury item. You got to pay for the maintenance. You got to pay for the water heating. I mean the the expenses of running your household go up. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's you know some people um, don't don't enjoy that you know they don't enjoy that but now now that you can't go to Myrtle Beach you know or now that you're you're like hesitant to travel mm -hmm. now you really appreciate that type of stuff yeah you know I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of pool you could build for 10,000 bucks like could you could you get a pool built with any significance for 10,000 I don't know I don't think I let think me, it's let me look up and see that. what the price is like, like an in-ground pool I'm talking about a nice in-ground pool could you do that for 10,000 bucks I would be very interested in if you could or not. Oh, nope. So <laughs> here's what I just pulled up. Uh, so average cost to install an in-ground pool is $35,000. Yeah. I guess that's like an average spending between 28000 and 55000 So yeah. I guess if you built a pool like this one, that's probably the $55,000 pool. Yeah, that, because look at all the stone all, work. All the stones, and it's a odd shape. You can get a hot tub for $10,000. You, you, <laughs> you got a slide. Well, see, that's what I was thinking. I think a hot tub here would make more sense than having a pool. Like, if I lived in Florida, I'd rather have a pool. Yeah. Right? But if I live here, there's winter times, and it's snowing. I'd rather have a hot tub. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion, yeah. and it's cheaper. Yeah, definitely cheaper. So, yeah, that's... That's pretty, uh, I like that though. That's a really cool pool. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that stonework is like phenomenal. Yeah. But, you know, so let's just, you know, you know, the, uh, the $10,000 budget thing, I think for me, if I was, if I was trying to make more accommodations for leaving my health, my house less, it would be investing in the home office space, which, you know, which I did. I got the, um. You know, I got that um, at at work, home workstation or alt work workstation. Mm -hmm. It was like six grand, and that thing is awesome. You know, it it's got the you know the big curved monitor on it. I can like lean back and prop my feet up. Like it's pretty awesome. And then and then obviously people are really thinking food storage. Yeah. Food storage like. I'm going to I'm going to get home deliveries of groceries or I'm going to be buying in bulk from Amazon and I need a place to put all this. I think that's a very practical thing to do if you're looking to invest in your home is find ways to create more food storage. Yeah. I think that'd be number 1. Yeah, like for so for me at like my house, we have a freezer in our basement. Yeah. Right. And then every year we order like a quarter of a cow. Yeah. And I'm living in a family of five. Right. That feeds us for a year. Wow. Right. So we're saving because like meat's expensive when you go to the store. Yeah. But if you buy it in bulk and keep it in the freezer, you're saving money. So like for me personally, ten grand would be spent on a kitchen. Because not only is it gonna save you money and time in a pandemic, you know, because you can't go out and eat at a restaurant or whatever. Um, it's also going to, it's just going to continue for the rest of your life yeah. to cut down on costs when you go to eat out or yeah. when you're trying to eat. Right. Yeah. Because I mean that, that to me just makes sense. Cause like coming from like a business mind, yeah. I'm like always thinking about ways to like cut back on spending and save yeah. money. And I'm like, if I invest in a kitchen then I'm not spending like $10 on a meal at like McAllister's or yeah. something. I'm actually a subscriber to butcher box mm. and I can yeah. get. I get a, a monthly box of 
of prime cut meat. You know, I get to choose from seven seven different selections of meat. You know, beef, steak, chicken, seafood. You know, pork, like all that stuff. I just got lobster in the other day. Oh wow! I got like <laughs> ten. I got ten packs of bacon in one one of the boxes, <laughs> and so I got bacon for days. Like just like you know months really yeah so um totally random do you know where the lobster came from i don't i think you it know? was i okay. think it was maine oh wow I think it was okay maine. yeah so yeah they put a lot of money into the way they ship those things yeah so. definitely it was it was it was uh the, the uh, dry ice was on each you know top bottom sides mm, okay and it got to me in two days so it was still like below below freezing yeah i have to yeah. look into that because yeah. like i i was born in Wilmington, which is the beach. So, like, I grew up on, like, good seafood, yeah. right? So, but, like, ever since I moved to, like, upstate New York and here, we were, like, really far away from the beach. So, finding good seafood is, like, yeah. kind of hard. So, Definitely. I have to look into that. Yeah, that Butcher Box was legit. Butcher Box. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so, okay. food storage was my number. Food storage investment in your home is definitely my pick for, for pandemic prepping, you know, prepping Agreed. type thing. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree with yeah. that. Um, so, when you do all these, like, renovations to your homes like what what's like the overall benefit to that like for a person okay that wants to do this to their home yeah so real estate is not always about what i'm going to do to get a return mm -hmm. okay so like people come to me and they talk to me a lot about do you think this is valuable for me to do to my home and typically my question is well would you enjoy it and if the answer is, yeah, that's I want to do that. That's what I want to do. And, and I tell them that if that's what you want to do to be happy, unless you're doing it to sell it, it's not something to be focused on, like, to increase the value of the house. Like, you want to enjoy the space that you're in, number one. Mm -hmm. Now, if it equals it being nice to the next buyer and they will pay you more for it, bonus. That's a bonus. So, like... Real estate, your house does not have to function as, um, like, you always thinking about the exit, okay? The exit of you not living in that home anymore doesn't really have to be a primary focus when it comes to you doing the things you want to do in your home. So, I, I wouldn't get wrapped up in that. As long as you're not, like... Um, you know, if you wanted to paint a room pink and that made you happy, as long as you knew that when I came back, I was going to maybe, you know, advise you into doing something more in today's trend when you do go to sell it. So, like, you need to be open to changing it back if it's a detriment to you. But if it's something that you want and you're going to enjoy and you're going to get fulfillment out of, I'm fully encouraging of you doing that. Yeah. I also think that comes back to, like, almost like a psychological thing. Because if you're passionate about something, that shows in, like, whatever you do. Yeah. So, like, if you're, like, super passionate about something you're changing in your home, that, that's going to show. And, like, whenever you go, and like, if you want to sell your home, they're going to be like, oh, wow, they put a lot of time into that home gym. Yeah. You know, it's going to look really nice. Well, that could be the key selling point, too. Here's the, here's the thing. Is I've had a lot of experience with homeowners that simply just have bad taste. <laughs> okay. And, it, and it, it's not, like, I, I feel for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've had to make decisions for a homeowner that I knew was the right thing and I knew that it was my fiduciary obligation to do that they had major issues with because that wasn't their taste mm -hmm. and they thought it was a detriment to them, but it actually made the home better and it actually allowed the home to sell. Yeah. So like if it wasn't for my decision making in that regard, 
that home would still be devaluing itself and probably still available for sale. Mm. So always so. get like if you were to do anything, I guess you should always get like multiple opinions from people. You should, but don't don't think that we're the ultimate authority on what makes you happy. Just be willing yeah. to make adjustments based on research. You know, when I come in and I don't like something, mm -hmm. it's not because I don't like it. It's because research says this is not the thing right now. Yeah. So like I'm using that language with them to influence them into better choices. I but gotcha. they've got to be yeah. open to my suggestion for them to get the results, you know? So, so should someone be going and asking, like, friends and family about a certain renovation? I would say you, you're your own North Star. Mm. Like, you can ask opinions, but if, if that opinion doesn't concur with what's in your heart or in your mind or in your gut mm. that you want, do what you want to do. But at the, at the end, when you do plan to exit, when you are planning to exit, and you're hiring a professional to give you advice and help you sell the property, you need to be open to their suggestions on the critical changes necessary to sell the house. So, Gotcha. Yeah. All right. What's the most common change you ask of people? Well, in the one, if, it's, if it's a taste issue, like if they painted something, if they got some crazy wallpaper, or so, like, I just refer back to this, this one house. They had this ugly drapery and like window treatments and like red flooring and and it was just it was a disaster yeah. and i had to come in and i had to be like that we did it your way you know you hear you heard what i said at the beginning we're getting no results we've had to reduce the price two times i need you to listen and let me lead this situation let me make these decisions for you on what i know to be trendy and we will get results and that's exactly what happened so paint colors Paint colors is number one. Yeah. I actually read an article about paint colors the other day. Apparently, they're changing because right now they're, um, when I say changing, like the trend apparently is changing. Yeah. Because, uh, like, right now it's more, I see a lot of like mute blues and greens and almost yellows sometimes and grays. Yeah. And now they're saying that people are painting their homes in a more lively color. I don't remember where the article Honestly, was. Honestly, I'm not going to be able the, to find the, it again. The yellow, but the yellow is the is the bottom of the trend list. I would never do Do that. not paint any wall or anything in your home yellow at this point. Nobody is on yellow. Mm. It's it because it looks like white that's gotten old. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's dingy. <laughs> you know, it's just the sign of dirt in yeah. my mind. Like it's 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 the sign of uncleanliness yellow yeah. so you know? like when i lived in north carolina i remember my parents painting our living room this like more mute-ish yellow but we live near the beach so it made more sense there but like whenever i go back and look at it i'm like why would you ever paint it that color it looks yeah. so bad yeah but and i guess it also depends on where you live because certain colors i think do better in different areas sure and at Depen the beach you're gonna have to repaint every few years anyway so yeah well we weren't like right on the beach we oh, were okay. more in like a suburban area but like i mean we were like 15 minutes from the beach because so, like the yeah. salt air just ruins paint right yeah it does yeah so those people out there uh, i think are now painting their stuff in like some kind of like bear makes some kind of special paint for them like for that holds up well in different kinds of weather so I think I don't. I'm not a hundred. I'm not a paint expert, but I'm just pretty sure that's what they use is some kind of bear product now. So the paint, the the paint coloring of the house is is the number one. You know, if I've got to if I've got to bring anything up, it's the paint. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think asking a local realtor is a smart idea too, because you see all the homes in the area. Yeah, so and we know. know I mean, if you're a top producer, you, you're seeing what's selling and what's not. I mean, yeah. I've got inventory 
I've got inventory of what's selling and what's not myself. So like, you know, I know I know what's struggling and what's flying. Yeah. So this article, I think it's hilarious. Which all oh, the bear? The, the one with the bear. Yeah. Like, so what do you what do you do in a situation? Oh, so first, let me tell everyone what's going on here. Sure. So these uh these this couple, I think they live in I think it's Oregon. No, Lake Tahoe, California. So they live in Lake Tahoe, California, and they were trying to sell their home. And a picture was snapped by what I'm guessing is their neighbor. A bear got into their backyard. And it's a picture of them fighting off this bear or, like, trying to scare him away, which is a smart idea because whenever a bear comes up to you, you try to act bigger than him and or her, and then it scares it off, right? But this picture went viral, kind of. And it caught the people that were trying to buy the home caught wind of this and backed out of the deal, because they were like, "Oh, a bear got into that backyard very easily. I don't want to. I don't want to live here." Yeah. So what what would you do if something like that happened to a client? If a buyer refuses to buy a house, my, I mean, there are measures in the contract that can hold them to the deal, but I I strongly feel like if a buyer doesn't want to buy a house then they're not going to buy a house. I mean, no matter what the legal ramifications are going to be, if they're afraid or they feel like the deal's unfair, they're not going to buy it. You might as well take their good faith deposit. You might as well recover any damages that you can get out of them prior to release. And then you put it back on the market, you know? And, and if you don't want to release them out of the contract, there are options. In the state of Virginia... If a buyer refuses to buy and they and you deem them to be in breach of the contract, what you would do is you would relist the property, you would resell the property, and any loss that you that you had to take, then you could take action if there was a loss or a detriment to it. So, you know, the the ultimate authority in any dispute, if you execute it through the legal channels that you would have to go, is through the judge. The judge's gavel has to fall for you to be able to enforce anything at any time, okay? So it's not worth the hassle of doing that. And, and that's why I go to the script of the, the, the real estate purchase agreement is just high-end toilet paper for most, for most cases in a dispute. Because if a buyer doesn't want to buy or a seller gets into a spot that they don't want to sell you're not going to force them. You know, you could, but the likelihood of you doing so is like so super small that you're just going to, you're going to get made whole financially from all the investment that you spent and you're going to go find the next best available option. And, um, you know, so in this case, the buyer spooked over the bear. I think that's silly, personally. Uh, A story that I have that's similar to this is that a buyer was spooked of a close neighboring cemetery that was unmarked that he discovered, and he no longer wanted to buy the property. He, he, want, he wanted to get out of the deal. We tried to talk him into it and, and do everything that we could to convince him, but he was, he was actually afraid to be in that area because of the unmarked cemetery that was just right beyond his property line, and he wasn't going to buy the house for nothing. So we just let him out. You know, we, we didn't even keep his good faith deposit. You know, we just let him go. We, we're confident in the products that we list, and we know that we're going to get 
somebody else on the on the deal anyway. So that's exactly how I handled it. You know, these people that got out of that deal were probably acting irrationally, knowing that this is one in a million. This is this is very low odds that this happens. So they probably missed out on a great house that they were probably really on and really liked until they became fearful mm. because of a bear sneaking into the gate, you know, or whatever that is. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. I can't, I don't, I guess it probably climbed a tree. Oh, it probably know. climbed the tree and jumped in. Yeah, yeah it might have been. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, bears don't do anything for no reason either. So it yeah, must. I mean, have been, obviously it was. They must for have left food. like trash out or something. Yeah, obviously it's it's hungry. Um. Okay. So it's two. It's two forty-five. We've been doing this. How long have we been live for? For like forty-five minutes, something like that. Forty-five. Uh. So some of these topics. Do you want to like breeze over them and push them to back to the next podcast? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Then we I can mean, get into we, some we other got, stuff. We got some filler here that we can still use. On other Unless, things. Is any of this, like, time-sensitive? I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. Mm-mm. So you want to move into, like, the, the business stuff? Yeah. Okay. So this is where this is where I thrive. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not a professional <laughs> on this stuff. I'm just, I just really enjoy, like, the business world. So I enjoy, like, yeah, this some is, of this. Yeah, th- these are topics things. I'm not even close to, you know, having a lot of things yeah. to say on. So, so. I'll just kind of talk about them, and then, you know, we'll just kind of, like, that good thing, bad sure. thing, whatever. Sure. So right now, first thing we're going to talk about is Uber and Lyft. Uber and Lyft are reportedly considering a franchise model in California because they're facing legal pressure from the state to classify their drivers as employees. So California is pushing them to hire their drivers as employees for benefits. So like they have to provide health insurance, you know, maybe 401ks, all this other kind of stuff for their uh, the drivers. But as of right now, it's a freelance app in California in the, uh, what did I say? The, it's a freelance app in California and the rest of the world only have two classifications of workers. There's employees and there's contractors, right? There's no like, what do you do if you're like freelancing kind of thing? Because usually when people freelance, you have to like start like an LLC and then you start like your own business and then you start freelancing. But then you kind of become a contractor in that sense. So my thoughts on this is as an entrepreneur, as somebody that is trying to grow and develop a business and you have a model and you have freedom to create whatever model you want within mm-hmm. the rules that are set set up, right? Yeah. So for California to step in to try to dictate what an operator of a company, a private company can do in, in their model mm-hmm. when it's clear that people have a choice. People have freedom to not work for this company. People have a choice to go and, and find their own way and do their own thing. And if you want the opportunity to be involved with that company, you succumb to their model mm-hmm. and you either take advantage of their model or you don't and you go do something different. Yeah, because like right now I know that Uber and Lyft, whenever you drive for them, they don't uh, take out taxes for you. So you have to do all your own taxes. So if you don't have some kind of like LLC or something, you're probably eating a lot in taxes you're probably paying way too much or i don't say like too much but you're probably paying way more you're, than pay, you you're paying a rate higher than you would if you set yourself up as as a proper corporation yeah so um i didn't put it in the outline but like i think it was last week lyft came and said that they were just going to temporarily pull their app out of california and california makes up about i think it said like 13 to 16 percent 
of their like income or like their revenue. Yeah. So that's a that's a big that's a big deal because yeah. like they're they're basically like hurting themselves. They shouldn't sell Honestly, the but like they have to do is it. Is either one of those companies profitable at this point? I think. I, I don't think, think so. they are. I think they always show negative. I think they're relying on public investment into their company to remain uh, solvent. Mm. And I don't think either one of those companies has ever turned one dollar profit. I think we should look at that. We should. Yeah, we should look at that. I don't. I'm not actually a hundred percent sure on that because they're both like relatively new companies. They're billion dollar companies. They're yeah. billion dollar valuation companies, but they've never turned a profit. That's why when that's why when their public offering came. It just immediately tanked, you know. If you look oh, at the return like on equity, if you return, like I've I've done the research. If you look at the return on equity on Uber's stock, it's big time negative. So this little snippet right here is from August eighth of twenty nineteen, and you are right; they've never been profitable, but it has insisted it could be. Of course, it could be, so. especially when Google's the major stakeholder in the company. Mm -hmm. You know, like Google owns. You know, uh, like just below a majority share of the company, so you know they've got huge backing by somebody that is profitable to to run out their model to see if they can become profitable. Mm, doesn't look like Lyft is either. Yeah. This is based on twenty nineteen. So these stats are kind of they're a little out of date. We're not sure. But still, 20, 2020, they're not going to turn no a profit. There's no way. I mean, honestly, twenty twenty could actually provide them. The opportunity to become profitable mm -hmm. because more people are looking, you know, maybe to get. Uh, I don't know. It's cheaper to obviously have a car and do it yourself, but um, you know, and, and what's what's the risk of COVID going in and out of an environment that has people going in and out of the car all the time? So like that might be a detriment. Yeah, too. I don't. I don't really know what their policy is on that right now. I know that's like what hit them hard this like twenty twenty year. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't actually done too much looking into like what they're like COVID. I don't do Uber or Lyft, yeah. so I haven't really. When I travel, looked. that's all I do. Yeah. You know, I don't. I, you know, I think I think Lyft just went into the rental car game too. I think hmm. you can get. I think you can actually order a rental from Lyft. They'll drive it to you. They'll they'll take you to wherever they gotta drop the driver off, and then you can have the car and drive it yourself. I think that's a thing with with Lyft now. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. Well, yeah, that's what's going on with those guys. So good luck to them. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so next thing, Airbnb is going public soon. No one knows when, uh, but it's just like a thing. Are you going to invest in Airbnb? I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, with COVID. Uh, I, think, I think the Airbnb is probably more viable option than a hotel room now. Do you? Uh, I guess it depends on what kind of Airbnb you're getting. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I could, I could think, I would say so, because I've, like, looked into Airbnb as, like, a business. Yeah. And they really pride themselves on being, like, very clean. And they always, like, if, you, well, yeah. if you're doing it right, you hire, like, a maid service. Yeah. So I think that with that, people, and people were, actually, I was talking to a friend last night. They were supposed to go to, I think, like, Minnesota or something to see their grandma. And they were going to get an Airbnb and everything. And they were doing that because you don't have to stay at a hotel, so you're not around a bunch of people. You're just kind of like in a home by yourself. Right. So, but yeah, Airbnb is going public soon. I think it's going to do well, but I think it's going to be like another, it could be like another Snapchat when they went public. Snapchat stock went like way up and then it went, it was just plummeted. So I guess it depends on how Airbnb recovers after 2020. Yeah. I mean, the hotel and the entertainment industry, 
you know, I'd hate to have been a stockholder in any of those prior to COVID because you went in the tank, (laughs) you know, like I've got, I've got opportunity to travel early 2021 and I'm going to book the travel. I'm going to, I'm going to put that in the, uh, I'm going to go ahead and commit to doing that, but I'm, you know, I'm going to see how it goes over the winter. And if it spikes up at all, I'm probably canceling, you know, like I'm, I am, I am super fine navigating in the area that I am, but going outside the area and putting myself at risk, you know, I think I might avoid that. Yeah. It also depends on where the vaccine is because I know they're working on it right now. And they said, they, they said at the end of the year, I don't know if it's going to be at the end of the year that, I mean, I guess if they've been working on it for months and they're confident, maybe. That seems like really fast turnaround, though, yeah. for a vaccine for a virus. Because they haven't even been able to do it for the flu, like a full-on like full cure. And now they're going to do it for COVID. I don't know. That just always, that's always been interesting yeah. to me. But that's not beside the point. I don't have any like facts to back that up, yeah. but that's just me thinking. Cool. Um, so this is a big one. Apple crossed $2.2 trillion market cap. That happened a while ago. I read another article recently. It's like 2.2 now or something like that. I don't know how they gained 200 million that fast, which is probably how they hit 2 trillion because they said- Is um, it 2 trillion, 2 billion or 2 trillion, 2 million? 2. Oh, 2. that would be 200 billion. That would be- Yeah, 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 because yeah. we're talking- 2, tri- two trillion, no, you're totally 2 right. billion. Yeah, that's, <laughs> th- we're talking about like really big numbers that are like yeah. almost unheard of right. in the business industry. But yeah, so how did they do it? So back in 2017, under Tim Cook, he made an announcement. Was it 2016? 2017. 2016, he made an announcement saying that they were going to double the value of Apple, like their market cap value, right? But how are they going to do it, right? Because in order to level up your business, you have to introduce something new and something exciting that gets people to like buy into your brand or product. Yeah. So what they did was they started Apple Music, they have Apple TV Plus, which is like a competitor with Netflix. Yeah. They have iCloud because now you now you can buy iCloud space. I, I buy 200 gigabytes. I pay like three bucks a month or yeah, something like too. that. Yeah, me too. And then uh, the App Store, right? So these it's it's all digital. They doubled the value of their business with digital products. That to me is like amazing. It's it's mind blowing because we're living. Because if you would have told me that back in 2010, I'd have been like, you're full of it. I, I wouldn't have believed it. I mean, that's a big deal that you have a device that billion-dollar companies are being built on top of that device, you know. So just think of, like, the Amazon Alexa and, you know, whatever Google Home and Apple Home and all this stuff that's going to be built on top of those platforms to to give you your entertainment, gaming, streaming. Like, that's just going to be the game. I mean, finding those companies early and getting some capital into those companies to ride those waves, like, you know, I'm excited to do that myself. Yeah. And yeah, because that's what I was getting ready to say is you've seen like smaller businesses take this similar idea and do it on a small scale. So it's like YouTubers selling their online classes, you know, yeah. they're, you know, they have their own, um, like with like TubeBuddy, you know, that's like its own service yeah. for people. So it's all digital now. Like for the most part, and like that's how they're making tons of money, right? Doing that, but, but with all of this, it seems like there's come a cost. Developers are fighting back against the thirty percent cut in uh, in-app purchases. 
So for Apple, they charge their, if you put, um, like let's say you want to spend three bucks on like gems or something for your game. Um, Apple takes a 30% cut of however much that person spends. And that's a huge cut compared to someone like the Google Play Store, maybe the Microsoft Store. I don't really know too many people that are downloading apps off the Microsoft Store, yeah. but it is a thing. So I'm taking a 30% cut and the company Epic Games has, uh, did they remove, no, 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 they didn't. So they removed the game from the App Store, but Epic Games wasn't the one that did it. They somehow found a workaround for that. And then I think Apple kicked them out of the App Store. I think is what actually happened. So when, it, when the news first came out, everyone was like, oh my gosh, Epic Games is like pulling uh, Fortnite from the App Store. When it turns out that they found a workaround for it, so now Apple's kicked them out. But because of this, other app developers are thinking the same thing, that they don't want to be in the App Store because they're losing out on a lot of... It's, it's almost like they're boycotting Apple right now to try to like pull their apps off of that store. Yeah. So that sucks for them. That could have... That could slow down them getting to $3 trillion if yeah. they ever hit it. They probably will hit it. How soon? I don't know. I guess it depends on how this app purchase thing Apple's goes. I think Apple's trying to get into the electric car game, too. Did you? Did, have you heard that? I heard something about that like a while ago, back in, like I think it was like 2015 when I heard that. But they, what it turns out they were talking about was like Apple CarPlay. Could it be something more? Maybe. I don't know. They always have something up their sleeve. I think they actually unleashed a concept. Did they? Recently. Yeah. Cool. Think into the car game and make it profitable. That's a that's a huge deal. They should partner up with Tesla. Yeah, they I think if I think if Tesla had Apple like interface, I think it would like take Tesla to the next level. Definitely. Then the freaking uh, stocks that we were just looking at with Tesla doing the split, <laughs> yeah. that would like freaking double. So yeah. Apple and Tesla would just if they listen if they do that, if I'm gonna be could, so mad. If they could come together for sure. Yeah, if they do that, I'm gonna be so mad because I just said that idea and then. Oh man, that's I'm gonna kick myself in the in the back for that one. But all right, we're coming up on the hour mark. All right, Any let's, last let's wrap it up then. Um, you know, uh, we'll say we we got a lot of things here. I knew I knew this was gonna be an overloaded yeah. Uh, outline. We put a, we put a lot there. We've been backing up a lot of content. Yeah. So so you know we are interested in having having guests. You know, this is like a casting call. This is this is like if you have something you'd like to share or there's a topic that that you'd like to put your perspective on, um, you know, we have capabilities of bringing you in on Zoom. You can come into the office. We'd like to talk to anybody that's in the business world that that is in the product, you know, has a product that they want to put out. You know, maybe maybe you're a local entrepreneur yourself. Uh, we want to we want to understand what you're up up against. I feel like. I've got great perspective on building business. Uh, you know, I've had to manage people. I have to manage teams. I have to, you know, I'm, I'm on my journey as a leader myself. So it's a collaboration maybe we could have on leadership and like what your struggles have been and what my struggles have been and how we can help other people like not make those mistakes. So this is a casting call to anybody here locally or, or just in, in, um, in range of our voice here, you know, that can hear us. That are that are tuning into our channel, um, you know, we'd like to talk to you about whatever it is uh, that you're interested in. So message us. Uh, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. It's all like, gonna be linked in the bio. Yeah, all linked in the bio. Or in the description. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So like, find us there. Engage with us. You know, let's let's collaborate in one way, or <coughs> shape, or form. 
even if it's like you need some real estate advice, you know, I'm, I am just licensed in Virginia, but I'll give you my perspective on things. And I can certainly refer you to somebody that's as productive as me, wherever you are in the world, pretty much. I've got a connection. So um, please, uh, you know, like, subscribe, share our content um, if it provided any value to you. And we really appreciate uh, you guys tuning in. Um, I guess until next week, we're going to do this. We're doing this on a weekly basis. Oh, I do have to get you guys prepared. We've booked uh, one of our favorite guys ever, funniest guy I personally know. Derek Nallen's going to be coming in um, on September 15th. That's two shows from now. And I want you guys ready to watch that show. That one's going to be highly entertaining, uh, I have a feeling. So be ready for that, and um, we'll put a we'll put an info card like on this because yeah. he was in a recent podcast. He was, he's, so we'll link actually, it back to that. He's actually been a part of the show before, so we'll we'll link you back to that, and um, he's going to be here in two weeks. So we're excited to have him. Cool. All right, guys. I guess until next time, uh, this has been putting you in your place. <laughs> <laughs> Later, everyone. See you.